Hello and welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Johnson. Thanks for joining us. As always, the episodes keep rolling along. So please, please, please like, share, do all those things. We hope that you'll get more people connected to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. And once a week, we do a verse-by-verse with Rick Maynard. Here he is. Here I am. (laughs) Rick, we're going to finish up 2 Samuel. We've been in that book. Something new today. Then we'll transition into 1 Kings. So for those of you that have uh, been joining us, we've been in 2 Samuel chapter 24. And uh, then we're going to be diving into 1 Kings. So get your Bible out, whatever, or if you're listening, don't do that if you're driving, actually. Uh, But let's dive into this book and see where we're going to go next. So take it away, Rick. Okay. Uh, we would have finished last time if I'd have realized we were on the last verse. I just wasn't paying attention. But uh, this is uh, following uh, David taking the census, uh, God coming and basically telling David what he's done wrong, why he's done it, and David's uh, sorrow over what he's done. So in verse 25, this is the very last verse, says, David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered prayer answered his prayer in behalf of the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. So the burnt offerings are for sins committed. The peace offerings uh, are to give thanks. So both types of altar. We talked about building altars. Um, you talked about this story just uh, the other night in church. So yep. uh, we're kind of right there. But And this is not just for David. David is not just uh, saying, you know, sorry, Lord, for what I did, but these offerings... Uh, can be offered on behalf of the people. You know, this is Old Testament. Uh, I know people are responsible for themselves, but they lived in a time when you could offer a sacrifice, and that sacrifice could be on behalf of uh, other people. So uh, so anyway, we're going to move on into 1 Kings. I debated on whether to uh, just change totally and go someplace else, but this actually, the first part of this is uh, the story of uh, of David's end times, his last days, and the transfer of uh, leadership. But just uh, a couple of things uh, about kings in general. Um, and you've mentioned this, and we've mentioned it before in class, but uh, the Bible was not written chronologically. The Bible wasn't mm-hmm. written uh, with uh, verses and chapters and books. And so uh, First and Second Kings were originally one book, uh, they believe Jeremiah was the author. You know, Praise some, God. Sometimes we don't think about, um, uh, yeah, Jeremiah. <laughs> Sorry. You're, you're quicker than I am there. So. Uh, but anyway, we don't think sometimes about that, but uh, we don't think about who the authors of these books are. Uh, Ezra wrote a lot of Samuel, you know, and we hear these yep. other guys' names at different places, and we don't realize what all they did, what all books that they uh, actually wrote. And it's, it's kind of interesting that uh, Jeremiah uses uh, throughout Kings, and I'm just kind of, this is just a little overview of the books, but he uses outside sources. And there are several places in, in the Word where guys wrote and they would reference something. Most of the time we don't even look at that, but they would reference outside sources. And I think I told the story one time here of, uh, you know, doing the production where uh, Peter was crucified upside down and somebody came to me and said, where is that in the Bible? And I said, well, it's not in the Bible. It's historical f- 
fact, oh, well, I didn't think so. You know, he turned around and walked away. <laughs> and so uh, just because something's not in the Bible doesn't mean that right. there can't be historical facts and historical biblical facts. And so when you read through, and I'm, I'm not giving all the references for these, but uh, he refers to the Acts of Solomon. In other words, it's a book called the Acts of Solomon. He refers to the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah, and he refers to the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. And so um, that must be God calling us right now. <laughs> He's correcting us. Uh, but Lord, Lord, you can just listen to it on any platform, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, <laughs> Spotify, Stitcher. You don't need to call me about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your <laughs> input there. But we'll, we'll try to make sure that, right. that God gets all this straight. You know, I'm not sure he understood what Jeremiah was saying here. So. Anyway, they they were they used books outside of uh, of the the actual word. They used books that were probably inspired by God, but just didn't make it into the uh, into the word. And yeah. so, uh, just because it's not there in our in our Bible someplace, they referred to other places. But anyway, there were things that happened in the Bible that weren't in the Bible. Right. That's exactly <laughs> right. right. Well, it's kind of like somebody... I'm such a theologian. Uh, yeah, <laughs> man. That's, that's deep for this pod. That, we ought to do a different podcast on that because that was way too deep. But, uh, but you know, there, I, I mean, I've read several things, and you have to take it all with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. You know, just because right. you read somebody else's uh, reference or something doesn't mean that that, you know, is the right way to look at things. So you have to be careful, and I, I don't even advise... And I'm not a Bible scholar by any means, but I don't advise new Christians to go read all these outside uh, references, and it causes yeah. confusion. They don't know how to sort it out. And so um, I, w- I don't even talk about that. Most of the time this class is for uh, people who are a little, little more grounded where they don't just pick up on everything that you mm-hmm. say and take it to be the gospel truth. And I'm very uh, careful to say in my class when I teach, I'm very careful to say this is not in the Word. You know, this is somebody's opinion to make sure that they understand that. So, and the other thing, I mean, these books, the two books cover a period of 400 years. Wow. And so, you know, when you read this, it just seems like they did this, and then the (laughs) next day they did this, and the next day they did this. Uh, But when you think about 400 years, there are a lot of unsaid things in the Word. And so um, one of the interesting things, too, is that, uh, you know, in the New Testament we read about uh, the Samaritans and the Jews and how they didn't get along, and but we never really reference why they originally didn't get along. They just didn't intermarry. Uh, it talks about, you know, Jesus uh, with the Samaritan woman and why are you talking to me being a Samaritan? But the the origin of the Samaritans is comes clear back to Second uh, Kings, the 17th chapter of Second Kings, wow. starts the squabble, if you would, between the Samaritans and the Jews. So, you know, we'll come to that as slow as we are on the podcast. It may be a year <laughs> before we get to 17 chapters. But, uh, but anyway, that's just part of the overall um, look uh, in this book. From the time Samuel anointed David, uh, or anointed King Saul... There's only three kings that ruled over all of the Jewish people at one time. So when they started all these, uh, the kings and the different ones and different ones that would take their own uh, initiative to become king, uh, it just split people. It's a little bit like today. You know, I guess you could call it the Democrats and Republicans back then. And 
the only difference they had they would have a a president for the Republicans and a president for the Democrats and uh, it, I mean you talk about a mess we would have a mess if it was that way today but it was mm-hmm. a mess then right um, so and I there's a couple of things I, <laughs> I, I read as I was looking at this um, and I'm not a big I am a numbers guy I love you know percentages I love you know the top 10 list and those kind of things uh, but I don't take everything but uh, with uh, the Jewish people uh, letters have numerical values, and so uh, one of the things that talks about um, that uh, the kings, it says they are all kings of righteousness, and this, I don't have the reference here, but that's out of the uh, kings when it's talking about uh, Saul and David and Solomon, that their rule was a uh, hundred years, and when it says they are kings of righteousness, the word king has a numerical value of a hundred. So, you know, sometimes I think, you know, God, when he did some of these things, I think he, he put it together uh, just for interesting discovery. <laughs> you know, it has nothing to do with my salvation. or See who's paying attention here. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if they can figure this out someday. But And then the, the kings of Judah, it says, there's a scripture that says, the eyes of God are all over observing wicked and good. And the wicked and good has a numerical value, those words. Of 393, 393 years, Judah um, lasted 393 years till it was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. So, uh, you know, some of these things, it's just interesting. I don't get into numbers because, again, you can uh, start making something out of nothing if you're not careful. Just trying to make it, you know, uh, interesting. The word's interesting in itself. You don't have to try to pull in all kinds of outside things to make the word uh, means something. So I could use I could use this one on my daughters who don't like math. I could say, see, God God likes math. He's really into math. Yeah. See, I mean, look what he did. <laughs> so, well, and I want to read um, at least part of this because uh, Psalm seventy two, and and we could we could have read this I guess as we went through the story, but the Psalms were written not necessarily right at the time that David would. Uh, have a struggle or whatever, but they were written about events in David's life. And there's two different versions, and again, I didn't, I guess I should have looked for a third source so that, you know, it would be a three to two, um, a three to two situation. But anyway, some places say that uh, Psalm 72 is written by David to Solomon, in other words, as instructions. And then if you read the footnote in my Bible, it says that Solomon, that this was a prayer of Solomon as he was taking office. So uh, either way, I think, just reading it and looking at it, I think uh, it's more about David when he begins to give uh, Solomon uh, instructions. And it says, uh, Psalm 72 Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. He will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. 
in his day the righteous will flourish, prosperity will abound uh, till the moon is no more. He will rule from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts. All kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Let grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may he sway. Uh, may it sway. Let its fruit flourish like Lebanon. Let it thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. All nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This concludes the prayers of David, uh, of Jesse. And so... Amen. Uh, like I say, one place says one thing, one says something else, but it's great instruction. You know, it's great mm-hmm. uh, to to pray a blessing over the person that's um, that's taking your place. You know, sometimes uh, with uh, you know kings, presidents, uh, pastors, you know, whoever it is, sometimes uh, the transition of power is not a great thing. You know, there's there's hard feelings. There's uh, somebody coming along that you feel like is not going to do as well as you did. Uh, you didn't want to leave, and somebody for you know. And again, with the president situation, you know, a Democrat leaves and a Republican comes in, and you know, hard feelings. And uh, I mean, this last presidency was that's exactly what you know what happened. And so, I'm not political, and uh, I don't like politics. I don't <laughs> I don't uh, know that much about it, but. I know when things are not <laughs> when things are not right. Yeah, and so so David's blessing Solomon as he comes in. That's awesome. You know, and uh, and you can say it's his son, but still, um, sometimes fathers and sons don't have good relation. Yeah. So, so anyway, we'll we'll move on. That was uh, just a little intro to the books of the Kings and a couple of things that that you find in there. And again, you can look at all kinds of outlines. There's one in the front of my chapters. Um, if you look at any commentaries, they usually have an outline of the whole chapter. But yeah. uh, but there's good stories throughout uh, Kings. As I look through there, it's not just a list of the Kings. Yeah. You know, which could no, be a we're in a, we're in a great. This is a great part of the Bible, really. You yeah. Know, great stories. If you love stories, First, Second Samuel, First, Second Kings, great stories. Yeah. And people don't. You know, we forget about the Bible that it's that we do relate to today. And I will say this first part of uh, when we start reading this in First Kings, um, it's a little bit of a strange uh, story. And uh, so we'll just, we'll get into it here, but it's a little bit of an odd story when you just read through this. But First Kings 1.1, when David was old and well advanced in years, he could not keep warm even when they put covers over him. David's 70 years old. And I it's a little strange even at that because, you know, they used to live so long in the Bible, you know, and the ages started uh, lessening and lessening after the flood, I think, was when the the ages started. 
So we went from 969 years old at Methuselah, and now David is considered old at 70 years. And, you know, even in our time, 70 years really is not, you know, it gets, yeah, you, <laughs> it gets younger all the time for me. But Side note, I did read an article the other day. I was saying uh, as, with medical advancement that we're, we're, there's still a buffer or a max limit that they, for the last 100 years or something, the longest person has lived 114 years. We, 114. Uh, even as much as we've, we've, we're living overall longer, still no one is able to break that barrier. Right, right. And so, I, you know, I don't know what happened. I think sin happened, which, yeah. you know, lessened man's uh, age. But, but 70 years old, and even uh, David said himself in uh, Psalm 90 and 10, he says the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. So, you know, in his time, uh, 70 was considered old. 80 would be probably like in our time. If you yep. broke the 100 mark, you know, that would be a big deal right now. Average average lifespan of a male is 77 years old in America. Is it 77? Yep. So I got about 15 years left. So. <laughs> make, it, make them count, Rick. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, and the, it's funny you say that because the next verse in Psalm 90, 12, he says, Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, make the most of your years. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think, you know, if, if we could realize that when we were young, that the days were, yeah. Yeah. were counting down. But, you know, when you're young, you, think, you just think you're going to live forever. I mean, you're not thinking about death, at least from old age. You know, yeah. you, you realize that something could happen, you know, accidents. And, but um, the fact that we... Uh, number our days that we don't have very many and I think honestly the older I get the more that is true and Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that even as a joke that's just yeah you start thinking you know I'm I'm past that halfway point yep you know I don't think kind of silly I was thinking I was thinking of the average as I get ready to step into my 40th birthday it's kind of like I'm stepping at halftime you know Mm -hmm. it's like half my life if statistics hold true I'm at halftime Right. So what do you do at halftime? I'm, you know, sports fan. You make adjustments. You like see what the score mm-hmm. is. You, you know, so that's what I could do. Yeah. Well, and I, uh, Maroon five, it's halftime. Maroon five's playing right now. I'm in the locker room. I'm evaluating. I'm getting ready to come out for the second half. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in the <laughs> locker room getting screamed at by the coach. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, they believe that, uh, David was probably bedridden at this time, uh, maybe even a paralytic because uh, it does talk about him really being in bed. Um, and, you know, people, many people lived older than David. And so, you know, we can say, well, David doesn't get to live as long because, you know, he had sin. And But you know what? Some of those people that lived to be 112 or 14 or whatever, you know, you can ask them, you know, what did you do? And they may never mention God in yeah. their life. So, and he was fighting, you know, we look at his life, he was fighting battles. He was a warrior. I mean, imagine the physical toll. Again, I try and parallel these newer uh, things are applicable to my time. Mm -hmm. A fighter, right? An MMA fighter, a UFC fighter, right? A lot of these guys don't last long because they they took such pounding, right? In their the prime of their life. And David had to have, oh, yeah, really had a lot of, uh, of a lot of battles, a lot of physicality in those younger years of his life. So I can't imagine he would have been, based on that, would have been a guy who lived to 100, 110 right. years old. Right. And he's, you know, his his strength from all of that, you know, we were just talking before we started that, you know, I have arthritis, and most of that comes from, 
you know, working really, I, I, you hate to say, well, I worked too hard, but I really did. I did too much uh, myself without help and, and never thought, you know, I was strong and energetic and, you know, mm -hmm. never thought that the day would come when it was like, boy, I just don't feel so great anymore, you know. And so, but, uh, you know, the wars, you just mentioned the wars, uh, he had sorrow in his family. Yep. You know, he had trouble in his family, and we know that, that uh, stress, you know, can cause your health to not be good. So he had sorrow in his family and friends, and he had sorrow from enemies coming against him. And, uh, you know, I don't know how um, it, it'd be interesting to look at a study about how long pastors live. Yeah. You know, because of the— we, I, I saw one the other day of uh, presidents, that, that they mm -hmm. show a president when they first step in office— and then mm -hmm. eight years after, the aging show like how right. older they get mm -hmm. just in the context of that four to eight years. Right. Because they, of the, you know, the stress and mental. And, and I was even talking about that today with someone else about, we were talking about lifespans with, uh, you know, do doctors in terms of uh, evaluating, you know, medical people, diseases, et cetera. And doctors are no more, aren't any smarter than we are in terms of like, well, they got a month to live. They got six... They do not know that, you know, right. and one thing they, they cannot calculate is the mental mm -hmm. and the spiritual aspect of a person's life. Right. They can't calculate that. So what I was saying is, you know, some people, there's a will to right. live uh, that they cannot factor in there. Some people, I mean, just out of sheer will, mental, you know, they hang on for three, four or five six right. months a year. And then there's some people, and we're, we're talking about this in a beautiful spiritual sense. There's some people that they say, you know what? I know who my maker is. I know mm -hmm. I'm ready to go. And those people probably die sooner or faster or whatever right. because they have mentally and spiritually resolved to the reality. Right. That the, And it's like, you know, now they're telling the physical, okay, mm -hmm. I'm ready. I said years ago when I worked on the ambulance service and would go to the nursing home and, you know, everybody, I mean, I'd say 99% of the population, don't ever put me in a nursing home. Don't I don't ever want to go to a nursing home, you know. But I looked at some of those people out there, and I thought, you know, this is probably, for a lot of them, best life they've ever had. And I think sometimes they live longer when they go there. Somebody's making sure they get the right medicine and making sure they get the right food and, you know, making sure all of their uh, health needs are taken care of mm -hmm. and the doctor's coming to see them and all those kind of things. I think they live longer sometimes under those circumstances. So, you know, I don't think for a Christian, I don't know that you even call it giving up, you know, because, yeah. because we're looking— forward it's mm -hmm. like you know none of us sit around and say man i hope i die today you know that's not or we shouldn't but uh, but anyway back to this one uh, you know david's had a lot of stress on his life and um who knows what all medical things he had going on with him um and i i always ask this question when when we're talking about things like this you know when do we stop praying for somebody you know, at, at do we pick an age where we say, well, you know, the 114, you know, that person, it's like, well, they're in the hospital now and they're about ready to die. You know, are there still people saying, Lord, heal this woman or this man or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at what point of either the illness or the age do you stop praying for somebody? And... You know, I don't know the answer to that. I think a lot of it has to do with the person, you know, what they, you know, in other words, if you said, how do you want me to pray? Well, I want you to pray for my healing. 
or I want you to pray that I just, that I go on, yeah. you know, that God releases me. And so um, I remember in, in uh, I think it was junior high, I had to take a class on, uh, well, it was uh, debate and drama and that kind of thing. And one of my assignments was um, I had to play the part of, I was for mercy killing euthanasia. And you could make really <laughs> strong arguments for that. You know, yeah. and now we're, it's kind of come back around now because we have all the abortion issues. And now they're saying, well, you know, when are we going to now say, well, this person's too old and feeble. And so let's just give them a, a, an injection and, and let them go. You know, we already practice that to a certain extent because we stop feeding or we stop medicine or, yeah. you know, and let someone go on. But, uh, but anyway, just, you know, again, you could take any one of those topics and run with it and make a whole other podcast out of that. So, uh, we'll probably, move. probably about 10 years from now, Rick. So 10 just... years. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll get into all that real deep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Verse two. So his servants said to him, let us look for a young virgin to attend the King and take care of him. She can lie beside him so that our Lord, the King may keep warm. Now this is where I think this story gets a little strange, but, uh, they should have been really planning a a funeral. <laughs> you know, David is is on his deathbed, really, and they should have been looking at a funeral and how to let him go out uh, peacefully, but instead they're really... And there's some debate here, we'll come back to it, there's some debate whether or not he married her or what the situation was, but... Hmm. Uh, but it's a strange uh, treatment for a dying man. I don't care how you right. how you look at it. Um, and it's a it says a young woman, a virgin. She can lie with him. She can keep him warm. Um, I even read someplace, and I you know I I don't uh, I don't have a medical uh, backing to uh, to say that this is true. But one of the commentaries even mentioned that they believed, and maybe it was just a belief of the time without medical knowledge, that the virgin would be a warmer body hmm. in body temperature than a woman who had borne children. Now, I don't know whether yeah. you can back that up. I didn't uh, Google that. Um, I'm afraid somebody might catch me Googling that and wonder, <laughs> right. wonder what, I was, <laughs> what I was doing. So I just uh, kind of left that alone. But... Um, the one of the, and some of the commentary said that uh you know they had multiple wives and having multiple wives was never acceptable god just i i don't even know how to explain it god allowed it but he never approved of it okay and i don't know why god was not more uh stern about that 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 a lot of godly men had multiple wives at the time and this is another thing I don't have the answer to there's a question but I don't have the answer is is uh, he had 18 wives could not one of his 18 wives yeah have laid with him to right. keep him warm and or or all 18 would have yeah helped. <laughs> yeah that would have been great. <laughs> yeah I mean he has other Bring options yeah and and again it's not David that's asking for this it's you know it's his uh, medical advisory team I guess that's uh, that's trying to do this. But, uh, you know, if you look at at the King James, you know, we're reading out of NIV again, but 
If you look at King James, it says, And let her cherish him, and let her lie in his bosom. So it's a little more, uh, doesn't sound so sexual, in other words. It's talking about someone that will cherish him, somebody that will uh, take care of him, you know, in his uh, dying days. And the, the King James, when it says, And let her lie in his bosom, uh, that's more of a description of a wife or a concubine that lies in the bosom of the husband. And so they, you know, again, there's a, a little toss-up there whether or not he married her or whether, you know, she was just um, there to, to be a servant to David. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then Adonijah requests her in marriage later, and it, it angers uh, Solomon because you were not supposed, it, it was not normal to take the father's bride or concubine. So had she not been a bride, then why was Solomon so angered that Adonijah, his brother, wanted to take her as a wife? So so they they believe and, he, she, and the theory, I was just going to throw this out real quick. Yeah. The simple theory is, is maybe that was just normal. Yeah. yeah. And I just say that based off of having done a lot of foreign missions trips, being right. in cultures that do things that are far different than then we do them. Right. And we always, this is, this is a great Bible study moment right here too, is that we can't, we can't read the Bible through the eyes of just right. American eyes only. That's not proper biblical interpretation right. because we have cultures and values in America mm-hmm. that nowhere near connect to what was right. happening in this time frame. So if we just look at it from that perspective and say that, Oh, that is, you know, I'd read it and say, mm-hmm. well, so I guess now we add to the list that David was creepy old guy as well, you know, <laughs> right. uh, but that, that's, that would be in America. That's not, this could be just, could have been a very, maybe a bunch of other guys had that same treatment. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was a regular treatment. Maybe that was something right. of the day. Well, that's, and that's the thing. The Bible was not written to the United States. You know, we think, we think we're the special people and he wrote it with us in mind. He wrote it with his children in mind. But it was written for somebody who understood that culture. There's nowhere really in this story that God's mad at David or these guys for what they're doing here. So I think you're right. I think culturally it was probably a, an acceptable uh, thing. And the, the only reasons that it mentions says that the king may keep warm and that my lord the king may get heat. It's all about uh, physical uh, healing, not physical pleasure. In, in this sense. So uh, verse 3, Then they searched throughout Israel for a beautiful girl and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. Uh, we would call that in our generation again in, in America. We'd say, well, that, man, that's kind of sexist, you know, that she had to be uh, pretty, she had to be a virgin, she had to be, you know, all these qualifications you know, now we would say, well, that's, you know, body shaming, and why mm-hmm. did she have to be pretty, and why did she have to be a virgin, and, you know, but again, we don't, I don't understand uh, that culture and how, the, how things work, but, uh, and one of me mentioned that maybe David has, a, has to keep up his reputation, you know. He's oh, a, I have so many funny random thoughts going through my head. Yeah. Okay, this is a funny story, <laughs> nothing to even do, uh, a kind, okay, 
when I, the first time, so our, our culture, you know, in movies or TV shows, it's always like nurses are like really beautiful right. and things like that. Right. I remember when I was in high school, I had ankle surgery playing basketball. I literally in my brain had told myself that I was almost excited about <laughs> getting surgery and having to be at a hospital for two days. Cause, right. and then I didn't have beautiful nurses. Right. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is not true. So, I mean, yeah. Well, I better not. I worked yeah. at the hospital for several years. I better not talk about, you know, that. Uh, there may be some uh, nurses that will listen to this, and they'll wonder which which category they were in. So. <laughs> but it would be, you know, it would be sexist in that in our generation because of those. But we know people will say that. But, you know, if you turn on the morning news, you know, there's usually no ugly girls doing the news and yeah you know they're all they're they're picked but nobody picks on that you know right um, but in every other way oh well i couldn't get that job because you know i wasn't pretty enough or uh whatever but but even the even here david uh is sick this is uh i guess if your spirits are going to be lifted it's going to be by a beautiful woman <laughs> you know if that's the uh the purpose here and I'm sure he had 18 wives. Those were all chosen by him. He probably had 18 beautiful wives. Mm-hmm. You know, I doubt that he, um, and again, in that culture, they picked them. They handpicked them. It wasn't about a uh, long relationship and falling in love and dating for three years. And, you know, it, it was, they were picked because you uh, thought they were good enough or pretty enough for you. So I served. I mean, again, this indirectly related this won't be totally dorky but uh i served an interim pastor when i was youth pastor in california the interim pastor between senior pastors he was indian descent and he had an arranged marriage with his wife Mm -hmm. and to us we would say that's weird that's not right you should have free will free choice he thought it was wonderful they had a great marriage they have a great son who Mm -hmm. is now married uh, to a white American girl. He's in ministry. They're doing great. But if you would sit down with them and try and convince them that an arranged marriage was mm-hmm. not right or incorrect thinking or bad parenting, they wouldn't even be able to relate with it. Right. Our our culture, uh, an arranged marriage is if you watch The Bachelor on, on TV, you know, he's got <laughs> so many to choose from, but that's all he's got in the world is those to choose from. So. Yeah. Where are we on time? Yeah, let's get to a stopping spot. One more okay. verse or however you feel want to okay. wrap it up there. Um, verse, uh, where are we at? Three, verse four. The girl was very beautiful and she took care of the king and waited on him, but the king had no intimate relations with her. And I think that it was important for us to, to hear that. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you read the story and stopped short of this, uh, you would, accused David of, you know, of being inappropriate or whatever. Um, She took care of the king, waited on him, but the king had no intimate relations with her. The King James says, and she cherished the king and she ministered to him. So, you know, those are words that would describe a a good wife. You know, you generally would not say that about some woman that you just brought in to sleep with the guy and make him feel better because he was had been sick or depressed or whatever you know we would we would look at that altogether different but when it says she cherished him and ministered to him uh, it's a whole different story than intimate relations and so it takes away it goes back to exactly what you said it was a cultural thing Uh, they weren't doing anything uh, inappropriate 
in that sense. And so, um, and I never really thought about it. From, I, I'd actually never thought about that until we read that today, that it was the servants who did that, not David. Right. You know, I really never thought about that until today, that David was not the one who asked for a young virgin. It was the servants who right. recommended, and, and along with the medical, whatever he was dealing with medically or the state of life that he was in. Right. I'm thinking today, sometimes you roll into a hospital, there's people you're getting treatment. You don't really have options, or right. he might not e- even been aware, right. or the awareness that he would have had at the time. Right. He was just receiving whatever was coming his way. Right. And I don't know, you know, I mean, he's, he's old, he's sick. Uh, I don't know what capabilities he would have, you know, for intimate relations with her. But there was, uh, there's one thing, again, this goes back to the Jewish culture. um, And it has to do with repentance. And somebody mentioned this someplace that I was reading, uh, just giving a little bit of an illustration was with repentance in the Jewish culture, you are never truly repentant until you are faced with the same sin a second time and you refuse. Hmm. And so they related this to David and Bathsheba, that in David and Bathsheba's time, uh, he gave in to the temptation and slept with her. Of course, you know, we know that whole story. But anyway, he gave in to that with Bathsheba. And we know that David was sorrowful over what he did. And they they use that here to say maybe this was a second opportunity and he was truly repentant because he refused it this time yeah he said no and and again we don't know we're not putting words in in david's mouth but it is an interesting concept on on forgiveness and repentance that you're never truly repentant or god wouldn't see you as repentant until you had the second opportunity to repeat that sin and you didn't repeat it then you're truly repentant yeah so. Well, we're in First Kings chapter 1. Why don't you start reading it? Get involved in the story. There's some great things that are going to be coming up. Obviously, we're going through this. We're trying to pull out truths and thoughts and walk through it in a little bit more in-depth way. But we hope that you're encouraged. Thanks for joining us on this verse-by-verse edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.